Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. Well, our next guest is David Strausser. He's an expert in enabling small businesses to drive growth via the promise of technology. As the general manager of the Northeast for Vision 33, David empowers his customers to digitally transform by automating business procedures and maximizing business intelligence. David is also the host of Shark Bite Biz, the Smashing Small Biz podcast that I was recently a guest on, as well as a, he's also a contributor to Forbes.com as a proud member of the Forbes Biz Development Council. David, it's so great to have you here. Hey, Bob, thank you so much for having me here. We finally got to switch places on the chairs. We get to switch places. And I am curious because I think a lot of people out there are saying, what is an expert at enabling small businesses to drive growth via the promise of technology? Oh, yeah, it's catchy. I try to put a phrase in there that (laughs) intrigues people. But there is one important thing that was missed in the bio. I have to call this out. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You didn't didn't say check and see if it's on your sheet. But uh, it was also number one fan of the book, The Money Nerve. (laughs) Oh, right. was I supposed to plug the book at the end? I'm sorry. No, that's a- <laughs> <laughs> All right. You get two extra I, stars. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Sorry about that. I had to do that. I, I know you love your comedy. So, I love that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I put it out there in the bio because if I say what I actually do, the title, ERP, Enterprise Resource Planning, it's not a sexy thing. Right. Yeah, I sell, I sell back end business solution software. Um, and you know, that means so many things to so many different people. So what we do is we get in there with that type of software and we help them digitally transform. Digitally transform can be many different things to many different people, but put it this way, a lot of businesses are probably doing things like in Excel sheets and stuff like that. Maybe they're entering data in in two or three or four different spots. And we kind of eliminate all of that so that everything's streamlined. You're not firing employees or anything like that. Instead of having them fill out an Excel sheet, you're going to be enabling them to actually drive profit and do uh, revenue generating activities instead of doing all this bureaucracy admin work that really just sucking out a lot of profit from your company. All right. And how did you, is, and is that something like as a young kid, you said, I want to work with uh, backend software <laughs> assisting, like where, where were you at five? What were you it, thinking? It, it, it was by happenstance. I always knew that I wanted to work for a big tech company, management, running something, my own business, something in those lines. Uh, but this is, uh, this takes me all the way back to when I was living down in Tijuana, uh, moved down there when I was 18, uh, which was about two months after September 11th. And it was, it was a hard time. I mean, for being, you know, a white 
guy from rural Pennsylvania, Pottsville, PA, to live in a ghetto, a literal ghetto in, in Tijuana, uh, because I was poor. I was 18, you know, I was barely able to make enough in San Diego to come back. It, it was a, a tough life. And I've really had to fight tooth and nail for everything I've achieved in this life. And ultimately, I think it just came down to a little bit of luck, a mm-hmm. little bit of drive, ambition, not settling. I think not settling is the biggest thing because I would get all these offers for years tantalized in front of me like, ooh, come get this or come get that. And ultimately, I, I'd hold my guns. No, this is not what I want. This isn't the the package I'm looking for, the career path. And I suffered because of that, because short term, it was it was very hard at some point. But eventually then I ended up getting a project because I had my own consulting company. And my buddy was like, dude, you're just killing yourself. You're working 80, 90 hours a week. Yeah. And uh, the salespeople we have out here in SoCal for my main company, they're kind of goofy. I think you're better than they are. So why don't you come work for us? And next thing you know, I mean, I was an outsider to the industry and ERP for the most part is a very closed industry. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get in. It's one of those you have to know someone to get invited in, although it is, you know, it is opening up more now. And, you know, he brought me in and, you know, the rest is history. I mean, in LA, when I was out there for four years, I was doing about $2 million a year in net new sales for them. Now, that's just LA County I did. I didn't do Orange County. I didn't do San Bernardino or any other, just LA County itself. But in terms of this company, the highest amount of revenue they did a year out there in just LA County was like 385000 It was essentially one or two deals a year. Right. So completely transformed it. And it, it, you know, for the first time in my life, doing this position, it's like I felt completed. I felt fulfilled to where I am using all of the capabilities that I have. And I mix that with the passion of liking to help people, Mm -hmm. wanting to help businesses grow. And I get paid for doing it. So it's a, it's a pretty good, pretty good deal. No, that's awesome. And you, I mean, and the route to get there was sort of a little, not the normal path, I would say. You, yeah. you, you grew up in a small town, like you said, in Pennsylvania. Yep. And then you at 18 said, I want to live the, the good life. And I moved yep. to Tijuana in, in Just the like ghetto. every 18 year old. <laughs> and what was the appeal to go to Tijuana, um, at 18? Like, was that the dream? So- no, it was it, Tijuana again. That's something that just from from happenstance, and it's kind of funny how it happened. But basically, I wanted to get out of where I was originally, Pottsville. I always felt growing up like it's just one of those places that I just didn't fit. Back then, you know, it's 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 a small town culture, and I'm a dreamer. I dream big. I think big. I think long term as much as I think short term. Yeah. And every time I'd say, "Hey, I have an idea. I want to do this. I want to do that," you know, everybody around me that are supposed to be enabling me and helping me be like, "No, can't do that. That's dumb. That's stupid. Yeah. Why are you going to do that?" And I really just wanted to get out of there. And I've always had a passion for travel. So I was actually thinking about moving 
to England at the time. Um, and, but I was kind of afraid to do it by myself. So I was talking to a buddy and he was like, actually, you know, I, I just watched uh, Born in East L.A. We should go to Tijuana. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, OK, I guess he's like, yeah, we can work in San Diego. It's right on the border. I saw about how this guy got deported and then he's calling and it's literally on the border. That's how it is. So um, it looks like there's it's fun down there. He's like, let's go. So <laughs> let's go. we ended up going to Tijuana because of Born in East L.A. That's great. And did your friend did your friend stay, or did you end up uh, staying on your own? So I ended up. We went down there. What we decided. I mean, we were eighteen, but we weren't completely stupid. So we moved down there for two week vacation, and it was kind of like, okay, let's test the waters. Let's see if we like it. Have fun. Do some partying because. You could, you can drink down there at 18 and, you know, it's not like 21 here in the States. And we went down there. We liked it. We felt safe. He had stuff that he had to complete. So he wasn't able to move back down there for an additional four or five months. Okay. But when I went back home and because this was um, uh, right after September 11th, you got, we, we were afraid to fly. I mean, we're both 18. Yeah. We're talking two, three months after. So we're riding cross country Greyhound to, to Mexico. Wow. And yeah, you know, it was like three days each way. And then when we decided to move down there, I actually had to take two trips on the Greyhound each way to bring my stuff. Wow. But it, cause it was way cheaper than shipping it because yeah. even with Greyhound, people were afraid to, I mean, I got round trip from the middle of Pennsylvania to Tijuana, Mexico. It was like $40 round trip for the wow. bus tickets. That's wow. how cheap it was because of September 11th. And, yeah. you know, we were able to take advantage of that to move. I mean, yeah, every time I did one complete trip, it literally took me a week. But it, it's 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 funny. I don't know if you want to get off on this tangent, but I'll tell you how I got my first house down in Tijuana. Yeah, you bought a house. No, 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 no. Oh, I didn't just buy rented. a house. Just rented. Well, okay. So, <laughs> and I'm curious. My buddy and me, we're, it's our first time down there to check it out. And we're in Las Vegas. Okay. And there's this like weird guy behind us, you know, beanie on, stuff like that. And we're waiting to get on to the Greyhound. A lot of security. I mean, they were doing like airport type security for even yeah. Greyhound at that point. And we're waiting in line and, you know, we're bored. Uh, so we just turn around and start talking to dude like, hey, man, where are you going? He's like, Tijuana. We're like, no way. Us too. So, my buddy uh, is there sitting with him on the bus between Las Vegas and Riverside. And for two hours, um, literally, he is asking every question under the sun that you can imagine. Like, how do you say this in Spanish? How do you say that in Spanish? And like after two hours, this guy's like, Yo, you guys are going to get yourselves killed. Why don't you come? <laughs> why don't you come live with me? So we look at each other and we're like, okay. So we just met this guy in Vegas on a bus. We knew him for about two hours and we're, we got, cause we were going down there with no hotel room or right, anything. Nothing, nothing. So, so it was like, bam, we had a place to live. And, uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a crazy journey. 
Wow, that that's awesome. A little bit of trust there. Um, did you when you left when you left Pottsville? Were your parents supportive? Did they care one way or the other? Did it was just like time to go? I mean, how did that? Like, that's a pretty big move. Yeah, you know that was a tough time in the family life, which is also another part of the driver. I didn't really have the family support. So I've always Hmm. kind of felt myself as a loner in a degree like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as far as getting around that mindset and negativity that I brought up earlier, it was around that too. Yeah. Um, It was pretty much like, yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want. You're an adult now. Yeah. I mean, put it this way. I was being charged rent from my parents (laughs) since I was 16. Yeah. So, you know, things are much better terms now. Yeah. But back then, you know, it wasn't the best of times and, uh, you know, it is what it is. And and it just kind of shows you that a lot of people think that they don't have control over the situation and stuff like that in their life and that they have the bad situation that they do because they do. And... I'll tell you what, I, I really disbelieve that. Yeah, a lot of people get, get dealt bad cards. I got dealt a lot of bad cards, but it was just through perseverance and not accepting it. But most importantly, focusing on what I could control and yeah. what I could change is what got me where I'm at today. There was plenty of bumps on the road. Sure. I mean, there's a couple of times that I built myself up uh, messed up or like the economic collapse in 12, 2008, 2009. And it's like, bam, I was right. worse than I was before. Right. Uh, but it's it just fighting through it and having that spirit and just not taking the foot off the gas pedal. Yeah, I think that's so important because a lot of people would have stopped and said, well, you know, as you said, I was broke. Um, and they would say, well, I can't go anywhere. I'm stuck. I have to stay right where I am. And even in your position of, I don't have a whole lot of money, uh, but I watched East LA. So, <laughs> and so I'm going to, I'm going to live the dream. I'll make right? it work. I'll make it work. And then you push forward anyway. Um, and then, and I think for so many people, they just hold back because wait, I don't have the skill set, or I don't, I don't know how to handle my finances or I don't have the finances. Right. And, and then they take themselves out. Um, yeah. There are ways of bootstrapping things, whether it's life or a business, if you do it correctly. I mean, real quickly, I'll just point out 2010, you know, we're in the the collapse. I was honest, complete transparency. I was completely broke at that point, lost everything. The business I was working for went under and it was savings were gone. I, I lost every, almost every possession I had up until that point, except for maybe a suitcase or two, ended up losing. And what I was able to do was I found, you know, really good at sales. So I found a couple small sales contracts to where I was able to go out and sell cell phones, like revamp a store that was also struggling, right. teach our salespeople how to do it. I did that. I made about ten to fifteen thousand in about a three month period. Nice. I took that money and I actually moved to Peru. 
And I'm like, because I'm not staying. I had to move back home to Pottsville at that point. Right. Yeah, but that's how bad it was. Uh, you know, tail between the legs, coming back home, whatever. Sure. But I got there. I made the money I had to. And then I'm like, I'm not staying here. I'm going to go conquer the world again. And I moved down to Peru. And that's where I met my wife, Raquel. And we ended up then being like, okay, well, you know, options are limited here in Peru. Let's move back to Mexico. And, you know, we moved back to Mexico. And then I was working between the U.S. and Mexico again. But it, it was almost like a complete reset there and a total complete you know, leap of faith because when I moved to Peru, it wasn't like I moved when I moved to Tijuana where, I mean, literally you could run across the border and, oh, I'm in the United States. I mean, you're half the world away. Right. No, absolutely. And did, uh, did your wife marry for love or money? <laughs> um, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> I would like to say, I would like to say love because either that or she saw potential that there will be money one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's sometimes you, sometimes you got to buy the stock and you think it's going to go somewhere and then hopefully it goes up. <laughs> right. Like Bitcoin 10 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so um, in your journey of, of finding yourself and doing the sales and all that stuff, how did money play a role in your decision making? Like was one of your goals to get really rich or was like, what was your money journey? So my money journey, I have a very complicated relationship with money. <laughs> And I think maybe that's why I'm in sales. I like to spend money. I can't save money. I have to always, whether it's the newest tech item or whatever it may be, I have to go out and, and buy it. I am, I think I'm worse than my wife in that aspect. <laughs> and I mean, I have, I don't know, nine guitars sitting right over there, for example, but that's a, a driving motivator for me because my relationship with money then is, is that I'm reaping the rewards of my success. If I'm not able to go out and buy the guitar that I want, then it tells me I'm not as successful as I need to be. And it's going to drive me to make more money, no matter what that is. I'm going to find a way to, to get more sales, you know, uh, do a quick side consulting job or something like that to get that revenue come in. So mm -hmm. does that give you a kind of an idea yeah. of where yeah. that is that Absolutely. crazy? No, there's lots of people like that. So you're not alone. Oh, thank <laughs> Most God. people have a complicated <laughs> relationship with money. Um, do you and your wife talk about money like even now, or did you then do you have conversations about money? Um, we try to, but most of those conversations are, honey, you've got to stop spending. Uh, <laughs> and is that her to you? <laughs> no, no. It, it, it's usually me to, to her because I buy high ticket items, but yeah. I, I don't do it as frequent. She buys a lot of low ticket items. And what I've learned is that those low ticket items, you know, you buy enough of them, they add up. So they we, 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 we talk about it as far as financial planning for the future, whether it is retirement or stuff like that. Like even right now, we've been talking a lot about crypto and she doesn't understand it at all. So it's going right over her head. And I'm like, study some of this because there's opportunities out there. Like, for example, 
I just grabbed the uh, card that I love uh, so far because every time I make a purchase, they give me a minimal 2% back, but the 2% they're giving me back is 2% in crypto. Now, mm. so far in the last 90 days, okay, I might have got, if it was like a regular credit card, maybe I would have got 15 bucks back, 20 bucks worth of actual cash back. Right. But because I got it in crypto and the stock actually, you know, the, the value went up enough. I mean, it was like 70, 80 bucks. That stuff's worth right now. Wow. So we're looking at a lot of money and cash flow from different angles like that. And they're the conversations that, that we're having. Like, how do we, maximize if we're going to spend money how do we maximize our roi on spending that money what card do we use for what and stuff like that yeah and what would you say um because it is so important to pay attention to all that stuff if you look back what would you say is one financial regret you had or that you wished you had looked at a little bit differently i think with most people it probably would have been Bitcoin, I think, I mean, even now you have a lot of naysayers that are, uh, you know, it's imaginary or whatever. And it's kind of like, dude, I don't care if it's an imaginary or not. People were paying $60,000 for each one of these. Yeah. Um, I had a billion opportunities to buy it. Uh, never bought it more than just a, a few small pieces. Uh, Dogecoin is one that's been on the news and on the rise lately as well, too. I did buy Dogecoin once Robinhood started offering it. And I only bought, eh, it was like, hey, you know what, I'll throw 25 bucks at it. Okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Elon Musk starts tweeting about it being the currency of uh, the future currency of planet Earth. That $25 turned into $1,100. Wow. Yeah, that much, that high. Because I got it at like 0. 0.00001 cent per coin. And, you know, it went up that much in value. I can even look at, um, you know, more recently, two, three years ago, um, I was looking at, at uh, Iridium and I was going to purchase Iridium. And at that time, I think it was like a hundred, 150 bucks. And, you know, between me just being nervous, spending the money on something I didn't fully understand. Uh, but I mean, it's worth nearly $2,000 every coin right now. Right. I would say the number one regret I have, especially being a tech person that I am, is that I didn't buy into the crypto early enough. Now, that being right. said, I still think that we're in that the pre-market. We're yeah. in that pre-market area. The, the U.S. is coming out with their own digital cryptocurrency, their digital dollar. I think when that comes out, that's when it's going to be the more official market for it. Yeah. So we're still pre-market. There's still a ton of investments and opportunities to be made. But it, it, it's probably my biggest regret. I think that's the big thing that gives me the what ifs almost every day right now. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so hard to know, right? Because we can watch people invest a bunch of money and then they lose it all, or we can watch them 
and it skyrockets. And, and there was a lot of scams going back just a few years ago, too, with all those ICOs, you know, and you had like a lot of the people that ended up getting arrested around those. So, I mean, you have to, I, I think a lot of that stuff's been sorted out. Uh, the, the marketplaces themselves and the industries have done a pretty decent job of regulating themselves in those degrees because, you know, you get a lot of scam coins coming in. I mean, it basically, you know, creates doubt in the market and it hurts everybody. So, um, I mean, do you have any regrets there with crypto at all yourself? Um, oh, I go back and forth. You know, I was, so I avoided it for a while and then I heard, uh, an economist speaking. I was I was a speaker at an event, and the guy mm-hmm. before me was this economist for one of the big brokerage firms. And he said, "Look, I don't believe in Bitcoin or cryptocurrency one single bit, but I'm investing ten thousand dollars because I don't want to miss the boat just in case I'm wrong." <laughs> right, right, right. And and so that was my impetus to go and say, you know what, I'm going to put some money in it. Um, I waver back and forth because I've watched, I've had a couple clients make, you know, a couple hundred thousand or half a million dollars. And then I've watched other people just eat it. And it's, it's one of those things. It's just, you, you know, there's no guarantees. My crystal ball broke. So it's sort of annoying. I mean, you almost have the same guarantees though, as you would with the stock market. So yeah. I think my super basic analysis of this for your audience, I think we can put it like this. Think of crypto almost like a digital form of stock in a way. Be- the the big difference between, you know, buying an actual piece of corporate stock and a piece of crypto is that with this you can use it also as currency, as an asset like that. You can do microtransactions to very large transactions. Most of the crypto out there, if you study on it, it's not like they're actually not doing anything and are completely imaginary. They right. actually power networks and do things, whether it's blockchain or the maker network. Uh, you know, there's a lot of different stuff out there that that that, that is kind of tied to. And when you really start breaking it down, it makes it seems like okay, so really, you're invents you're investing, uh, you know, in a company or an organization kind in a way or a belief. And I think that makes it a little bit more real. Yeah. No, absolutely. There are no guarantees, but let me ask you this. Um, You started a podcast and that was because it's so uh, lucrative and you're going to make millions of dollars in the first six months. What took you to be inspired to to create a podcast? So, yeah, as we talked earlier, background information, uh, you know, Bob Wheeler has been on my show. He was an amazing, amazing guest. And we kicked it off last July, July 6th. Uh, It's called Shark Bite Biz. We did this show because, look, I'm a people person. My industry, I got to get out, network people, you know, not just because, hey, I want to sell people, but it's net. I I look at networking for three reasons personal growth, business growth, professional growth. Okay. And with this pandemic, I couldn't do it. So that's where I ended up launching this show. It focuses on those three topics during the pandemic. It's been 
pretty amazing. We've had rock stars on, uh, like Brian Vanderark from The Verb Pipe. We've had William Hung, uh, you know, from American Idol, which she bangs. Uh, we've had Hivod. We've had, uh, Jack Douglas. We've had Person from Aerosmith. In fact, you want breaking news for your podcast? Yeah. I have not announced this publicly yet. All right. Let's hear it. First live. I am. I am going to have Soledad O'Brien, the former CNN anchor and now with BET, a new show. She is going to be on Shark Bite Biz in May. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. And this show really just focuses on how businesses, how people are growing and transitioning. It's a personal journey, I call it. And I bring everybody just for the ride with me. And that's how I got to meet somebody like you. And, you know, I'm really grateful, grateful for it, for the experience, for your friendship. I mean, it's been a great experience. Yeah, I, you know, I love that you're doing it. I think it's so important that we have these kinds of conversations with different people. So mm -hmm. that because I think for so long, people, uh, don't know what's going on behind the curtain and, right. and, and people are afraid to ask or people, they see things they want and they don't know how to ask. And by having these conversations with all walks of life, whether it's about money, whether it's about business, whether it's about connection, um, mm -hmm. with other people, uh, I think it just helps make it an easier conversation for people to start to feel comfortable that they can go oh, yeah. for it too. Oh yeah. Because I mean, even see, the thing is, I like to do everything different. Like when I had my events out there in LA, I called them the anti-luncheon. We had off-the-wall speakers. I would serve dessert first, and we'd do this at the City Club in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. You would get chocolate cake. People would be confused, but the way the meal was planned, it was perfect, perfect. that way. <laughs> and uh, gourmet meal, I would always bring – because that's who I am as an individual. Yeah. I look at things – through a different lens, a different angle to really make people think. And that's why I do in the show. So even when I have somebody like William Hung or I have a rock star on the show and they're like, okay, um, this is a business podcast, a small business podcast. Why do you have the verb pipe on here? And yeah. it's like, well, you know, the verb pipe still is a business, you right. know, exactly. and he is struggling. He is a creative business owner, no different than any other musician that plays at coffee shops that's on this show or any artist that listens to this show. It speaks to that type of creative entrepreneur. And yep. you're hearing how he is successfully maneuvering and pivoting his business so that you can be inspired. And I get some of these most amazing stories out of out of people, if memory serves me correct, I believe when we when you were on the show, we were talking, example, a lot of uh, your travels, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. And how that's inspired you. And I like getting those types of stories out of people, that that personal story. Yeah. I don't want somebody on talking corporate bullet points, you know? That's where it's yeah. going to be like, I don't know if that'll air. But yeah, exactly. I want those real stories of who you are yep. and what makes you you. Yeah, absolutely. Authenticity... <laughs> Uh, is is a big factor for me anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. It's so important. It is. Well, listen, we are we are it, the time goes so quick. We are at fast five, so I'm going to ask oh, you. Let's do it. I'm going to ask you five questions, and uh, we'll just see where we go. Um, sure. Of the five senses, which one would you say is your strongest? 
<laughs> five? Wait, wait a second. There's five senses? There's five. I know. Probably uh, you think there's three, but there's five. Taste. <laughs> taste. All right. And um, what three things do you think about uh, the most each day? Money, sales, and money. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you can see out of your office or kitchen window? <laughs> Uh, I would say all the studio lamps surrounding me for my podcast. <laughs> I got about 10 here. It's like one big solar plant. There you go. Well, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's technology. You should have all that. What, yeah. what was your last impulse buy and did it meet your expectations? Last impulse buy. Oh, I have it right here. Fender Mustang Micro Amp. Yeah. So Fender Mustang amps are modeling amps, which means that it can play a lot of different types of guitar sounds. And this is the micro one that gives you all that power in a small little package to hook up to headphones or directly to a computer. So this has, th- believe it or not, you're going to think I'm weird. Well, you probably already <laughs> do, but imagine me with my guitar this is connected and then i'm just wearing my big pair of headphones i'm doing laps walking around my block playing guitar because i'm completely mobile and nobody can hear me because of this (laughs) that's awesome best hundred dollars i've ever spent there you go no regrets that's great if you could eat um only one thing for the rest of your life what would that meal be pizza pizza oh you said yeah pizza yeah, you, didn't even you said to, meat. Yeah, no, just any meal, any meal that you could eat. If oh, you only pizza. get one meal, the rest, pizza. That you didn't even have to think about that. That was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna guess you're having you didn't pizza. Even have to finish the question. <laughs> Sounds like pizzas for dinner tonight. <laughs> it, it, pizzas. You know what? I've been doing goat belly just to get some Chicago deep dish pizzas. Oh my god, I put on about ten pounds. I think in the last month. Uh, you know, I think with COVID, we've all put on about 10 pounds in the last month. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just speak for me and you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, with all the stuff that you've gone through and you've got your music and you've got your podcast, you've you've had your ups and downs, you've been to Tijuana. Um, do you have um, – this is our M&M sweet spot, our, our money <laughs> and motivation spot. Do you have a piece of um, uh, a practical – advice on some money or some wealth yeah. wisdom, something you, you would give to our audience? Yeah. So I think, and this comes back to my professional growth where we were talking in the beginning of the show, and I'll kind of explain how this all links to personal money in a second. But with the software that we sell, it's essentially financial software. And it allows you to track everything. You have business intelligence. I mean, even if you're a small business, you're getting enterprise level technology at the small business structure, but it's giving you the full breakdown where your expenses are. How much time is it actually costing you to do this or that? And I think a lot of times what people don't do is they might have that for their business or they might not. Call me if not. But <laughs> if they don't ha- you know, have it for their business, they, they need to have that for their personal life to analyze, I think, their, their money kind of like you would if it was a business. Because I do view family 
it is like running a business. I'm yeah. running a five person organization here, Team Strausser. And, <laughs> you know, once I started treating the family more than just the budget, I mean, start analytical insights. I, I got this brand new app. Um, I think it's called Bright Money, but it gives me alerts like, Hey, David, if you pay your Capital One credit card, on this day, you're going to save $3.19 on interest. Even if you just pay the minimum payment, you're going to save it by paying on this day compared to paying on the due date. So little things like that I've started doing, making all these different tweaks. And by doing all of that, I mean, it, it's actually freed up a lot more of my cash flow yeah. to where it's allowed me one to put more into the podcast itself as far as like ads and stuff like that. But as of today, I just submitted paperwork to the government. I have Dead Brands LLC is my new corporation. And uh, another breaking news, I'm launching my coffee brand called Dead House Coffee that's actually available today. All right. Well, we should all get a cup of coffee. That sounds Definitely. good. That yeah, sounds good. Yeah. But it's, but basically, I mean, all the things, what my main point is, is that all that stuff that, that I did, I learned from my professional job about how to manage all that stuff. And I was able to find a way to translate that into my personal life. And by having business intelligence with my own personal financials, not just my work financials, it really enabled me to, to, you know, find out where I was wasting things and how I could move my money smarter so that I could make a startup coffee business. I think that's so awesome. And I, I do think, um, you know, what I'm hearing you say is like that, uh, it pays off when you're a little bit intentional and when you're actually paying attention to the details. I know for a lot of people, money is like, oh, it's so boring, but I love having mm -hmm. it, but I don't want to actually deal with it. And the thing yeah. is, we actually do have to deal with it. And you that, do. and that even if you don't have money, um, at any given moment, if you've got the mindset that it's just a bump in the road, um, that you can have, you can have whatever you have if you're willing to just get back up and keep pushing through it because we're mm -hmm. all going to have obstacles. Um, they're all going to come in different flavors. But if we can keep just getting up and pushing through it, we'll overcome. Oh, definitely agree. And one other piece of advice is I would like to say um, my savings, uh, I ended up taking – $10,000. I had one of those high interest savings accounts, I think with American Express. Mm -hmm. And I took the 10 grand out of there and I diversified it in different cryptos. And when you put it in the cryptos, a lot of accounts out there, they have like earn accounts where it's basically like, hey, you give it to us to hold. You could take it out at any time you want, but if you leave us hold it, you're going to be earning two things. One, you're going to still hold the value of the crypto, meaning that if it triples when your time is up and you pull it out, that you have that triple value. But they're also paying sometimes 5, 10, 20, 30% interest for you to deposit it and hold it there. So you're earning, you know, almost double dipping in those ways. I ended up diversifying my save because I mean, I'm telling you, it's making a lot more in those earn accounts yeah. than it did sitting in a, you know, the, the high percent yield American Express savings account. So I mean, that that's another smart move that I have done to make money without 
really doing anything else but save money. Yeah. Go crypto. <laughs> yeah. yeah Go well, crypto I'd say research earning. it. Yeah, do the research, do the research. And I would always say for people out there that want to invest, always know that you should invest no more money than you're willing to lose. Right. Um, and it, and, and not just count on it, even though there's a lot of great investments out there. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. In fact, that's it, funny that you say that because remember when I told you about, uh, when Robinhood started selling Dogecoin that I bought $25 worth of Dogecoin? That was because back then, that's all that I could afford to lose. So I spent <laughs> the twenty-five. Bu- hey, but it turned into eleven hundred. There okay? you go. It was it was so, worth the twenty-five dollar bet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Where can there people you find you online and social media, and where can they find your coffee and all those good things? Oh, thanks, thanks. Oh, appreciate letting me uh, do some shameless plugs. So, Shark Bite Biz. You can find us YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you watch or listen to podcasts. You can find us. Also, the website, sharkbitebiz.com. For me personally, you can go to davidstrausser.com. The new coffee business, which is definitely will be out by the time this episode airs, is deadhousecoffee.com. You got to remember, everybody's a zombie in the morning, Bob, (laughs) until you drink your coffee. Deadhouse coffee, get back to life. Get okay. Back to life. I love it. <laughs> there you go. And awesome. lastly, I mean, uh, vision33.com. I, I got so many things going in, uh, going on, and that's good. Keeping busy is what helps you have the incomes. It gives you the stability. One falls through, you have something else. So LinkedIn, you guys, look, just Google my name. You'll find me. You can find me on Forbes.com. I'm everywhere. You're everywhere. We'll find you. We'll find yep. you. <laughs> I want to say to our listeners, don't forget to share the love. Uh, follow us and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast or the Money Nerve book. I love it. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player. Visit Apple Podcasts and search for Money You Should Ask or click on the link in the description. If you prefer to watch our episodes, head over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. For more tips, tools, or how to learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve not nerd just like the book nerve um david thanks so much for taking the time uh and joining us and sharing your personal story i so appreciate it oh no bob thank you this has been so fun so much fun i hope i didn't overwhelm your audience uh (laughs) and i hope they reach out to me i have a they can come on my show if they want everything's on the table absolutely well we'll we'll get it out there and we'll uh we'll try and get everybody to buy some software so they can start paying attention to their finances (laughs) oh definitely definitely thank you again bob thanks